Warning, Weirdish covers content regarding conspiracies, controversial topics, subjects that may trigger post-traumatic stress, and content some may consider offensive. Listener discretion is advised. Ancient artifacts from lost continents, unexplainable submerged lights, and a doctor hearing the warnings of Poseidon himself. Join the Weirdish crew as they discuss USOs and legends of the deep. Hello, listeners. Welcome to Weirdish, where we talk about Weirdish. This is Brian with our other hosts, Andriana and Marvin. Tonight, we're going to be talking about USOs and Legends of the Deep. Man, the ocean, very cool place. Not much of it has been explored at all compared to space, which I personally find crazy and fascinating. And, uh,. We're going to get into some things that uh, I haven't even heard about tonight. So, uh, I don't know. Andriana, to start, do we have any special questions? Something to spark our minds, get us thinking. Think would be like the the best question to ask right now is what when you guys think of USOs, right? What do you think of? And like, when did you first hear, hear the term USO being used? Well, for me... USOs are um, are not like I don't know I don't think of a summer submarine per se but the first time I've heard about USOs I forget what channel I was on I was channel surfing late at night one night years ago probably a decade ago and I was talking about um, probably and it was talking about like these strange lights underwater um, off the coast of some place I don't even remember and it wasn't near a military base. There was like no war going on at the time. Uh, and so it, it, it was just like it sped off at just asinine speed. Just <laughs> the, I don't know. So anytime I hear about that, I think of like, man, what if there are things out there that uh, we don't know about that aren't submarines or military, you know, watercrafts um, could be otherworldly could be a ufo that went into the water or something and submerged and then i also like to think about the book Ten Thousand leagues under the sea with uh with the (laughs) submarine that he had built and how freaking awesome it is and maybe there's just some guy chilling down there because he hates society so much i don't know (laughs) (laughs) wow (laughs) oh man uh so me I didn't really um, know much about USOs um, up until maybe a couple years ago. I was all about, oh, UFOs this, UFOs that. But uh, someone was just like, well, what about USOs? And then my ignorance kicked in. Uh, what? <laughs> what the hell is that? <laughs> and then, uh, you know, did a little digging and I found out that they're pretty much, you know, UFOs, but under the water. Under and, the uh, sea. <laughs> under <laughs> the sea. Oh, no. <laughs> Um, so tonight's episode I'm going to learn a lot about uh, USOs there was a bunch um, uh, Japan and um, ancient Egypt stuff that I didn't know so hopefully I'll learn a lot tonight oh yeah uh, yeah that's pretty much it just to put this episode into perspective USOs um, it's just an acronym for underwater submerged or submersible objects 
And they're just objects that exist underwater that we have no explanation for even after doing investigations. So these are things that would be detected on like radar and sonar devices. And uh, if you're familiar with this topic, and yes, this includes like underwater cities and formations and like, you know, you guys said underwater UFOs. Um, it's it's cool because we're going to like touch a little bit on all of that tonight. Um, and, you know, just like I said, putting stuff into perspective, Earth is estimated to be like 4.5 billion years old, right? So that being said, there are currently debates going on on like whether or not life actually started in the depths of our ocean near like hydrothermal vents or if the words uh, or in the words of Charles Darwin, if it started like in a quote unquote warm little ponds in a more favorable environment for like a protein compound to form, AKA not in the super salty oceans. Um, so for this episode, we're just gonna like run through the idea of life forming in the ocean until everybody else gets on the same boat. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, that being said, this this would mean that like aquatic life started 300 million years earlier than life on land. So coupling that with like, you know, how weirdly cells mutate over time, I think it's not far-fetched to say that there's a possibility of like civilizations existing and thriving in an underwater environment and you know whatever you know who knows maybe even like middle earth or hollow earth exists who knows like we don't know how what's going on i mean like only five percent of our ocean is discovered anyway so <sighs> it makes you wonder so mermaids may have existed at one point That's if not cool now or if aliens came to actually live in our oceans <laughs> um who knows? I mean, personally, I think I think the reason that we haven't researched more of our oceans uh, would be because of funding. Um, so there's the NOAA, which is a National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. Um, and their budget for this year alone was $5.35 billion. And then NASA's budget was $22.6 billion. So, I mean, I get it, though, because, like, rockets are expensive as hell. They're not cheap. And, like, we literally just started testing out reusable rockets. So, you know, they're probably spending a crap ton of money making them. Yeah, and they're, I think they they're should also add probably like, yo, we need to figure out how to get the hell off of Earth because we screwed <laughs> it so much. So there's no going back. There's no repairing what we've done. I mean, <laughs> <clears throat> some people, I'm not calling names, believe that climate change isn't a thing, so... Yeah, oh, Trump. Maybe we're okay. <laughs> I don't want to call names. <laughs> <laughs> it's not oh, rude man. if it's facts. Not rude if it's facts. So I'm going to say that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, not everyone wants to hear the truth. <laughs> yeah, you're oh, right. Man. You're right. So. I guess the the best way to start this whole thing would be to start with the underwater cities. You mean Atlantis? Dun, dun, dun. Okay, I was gonna say, uh, when you guys hear Atlantis, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Like, do you believe or do you not believe? The first thing for me that that comes to mind is the uh, the Disney movie Journey to Atlantis, but not because I don't I, I'm not a big fan of that movie. But there is like one of the most like, um, uh, what, what's it called? He doesn't get enough credit. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, people just don't look at his character 
you know, it, as much as they should. And it's the bomb maker. I don't even know his name, but he has amazing lines in that movie. His character is awesome. So that's what I think about Atlantis. <laughs> just, just Disney's Disney definition character of Atlantis. In the movie okay. Journey to Atlantis. <laughs> uh, I'm usually intrigued when I hear Atlantis. It's a city that I don't really know much about. And <clears throat> the, I didn't really see the Disney movie. I think I saw it like once, like forever and a day ago. But um, every time I think of Atlantis, I'm just like, I wonder what I'm going to learn about it this time around. Sometimes it's usually like just stuff I already know. Like I've um, seen on either some kind of YouTube video or something like that. So, yeah, I feel like they just cover the same old topics over and over again in any like YouTuber, uh, you know, some sort of podcast scenario. Yeah, usually not so in-depth. Our thing here at Wagers is we usually go above and beyond when it comes to the information we're putting out. So definitely looking forward to that. Hell yeah. What do you believe, though? <laughs> Hell yeah, definitely. 100%. I believe simply because there's like, there's a lot of evidence of where it could be. Uh, and the fact that there's still a lot of like professionals that have devoted their careers to literally finding this lost city it's really cool to me so that alone where people that actually have a lot more knowledge on the topic than i do are still like yo this this thing exists i went to school for it um this is what my <laughs> life is about i think that's pretty cool because I just talk into a microphone. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Okay, so we're going to talk about Atlantis probably in a way you've never heard about before. Um, but just keep in mind that the information that we're going to propose aren't verifiable for several reasons aside from the age of the story, of course, as you'll know this while we're discussing it. So the story of Atlantis comes from Greek philosopher Plato, uh, and he was born in 420. 28 BC. Uh, he was part of the first generation of boys who were taught to read. Keep in mind that I say boys because, you know, girls weren't supposed to read. <laughs> yeah, um, it was because, you know, um, they recently discovered, or I shouldn't say discovered, they created the alphabet recently. Um, and, you know, only some people knew about it. So his generation was the first to actually learn it as they were growing up. Um, after all, like most of the knowledge before them, they were from oral teaching rather than, you know, utilizing an alphabet system. Um, so the story of Atlantis was written between two of Plato's dialogues known as the Timaeus and the Critias dialogues. They're more like monologues, though, because there's no like back and forth conversation. It just starts off with Timaeus and then it goes uh, to Critias. And it's like all jumbled up with like a lot of different in different information, which literally has nothing to do with Atlantis at all. <laughs> so that's probably one of the reasons why people don't believe the story is factual. But um, who's to say it's not true, right? What we can derive from the dialogues is that Atlantis existed between 10,000 to 9,600 BC. This is clearly way before Plato's time. And I'm sure there's like a lot of details that got lost during that gap of time. Plus, you know, we've all played the broken telephone game, right? This, <laughs> this doesn't really help the authenticity one bit, but I want to believe it. Um, plus, his source for the story was actually, like, really credible. 
Uh, he stated that it was told by this Athenian statesman, lawmaker slash poet named Solon. And uh, the story goes that Atlantis was created um, after the Greek god Poseidon descended from heaven to form the island. And he married a human woman and they created the Atlantean population together. So I guess their offspring would be considered similar to like the biblical Nephilim. And if you know anything about that story, it kind of ties in in an interesting way with what actually happened to Atlantis, right? Um, According to Plato's dialogue, the city was in a ring of islands similar to the Palm Islands of Dubai. And it was like extremely advanced, but they were ruthless and cruel to the other less advanced nations surrounding them. Um, It's even said that they enslaved tribes of Northern Europe, North Africa, Egypt, and Greece, right? Enslaved them. Like they went over there, colonized them, and enslaved them (laughs) pretty much. Um, So... The city was powered by advanced crystalline technology on the main island, which was like in the center of the rings. um, And it harnessed all the energy for them, right? So the outer rings of Atlantis were impenetrable defenses uh, to protect the technology that was in the middle. Um, So Wait, so you're saying that it was powered by crystals? crystals. I kind of missed that part. So powered as in how like protective energy you know how, or like um, literal power like literal power like like their form of electricity um literally powering it uh it's, it's i think we covered something similar to this in past episodes where we were saying that crystals have you know this this power in like them like this energy. energy force yeah inside them and it's like limitless what's his name um there was this psychic and he's known as the sleeping prophet and if you've heard that name before, you know who he is. It's Edgar Casey, And he said that the crystals that powered um, Atlantis were like pretty much more advanced than our nuclear reactors that we have today. So these crystals were like pumping out mad energy. That's still, to me, that's something that's still a little bit uh, I'm, I'm skeptical of. I've never seen like a, uh, I'm not saying that it can't exist because I really don't know the science behind it, the theories behind it. Um, but thinking of a crystal being able to provide power energy in that way, I've, I've just never really seen that or um, I have no knowledge of that. So that was interesting to me. So they they enslaved a bunch of other um, you know, nations outside of Atlantis, as you were saying. But like I said, in, in the other episodes, though, we, we, we do cover, like, how ancient civilizations use crystals for different things, including healing, by the way, um, which the Atlanteans were well known for as well. In 9,445 BC, there was this war that broke out between the ancient Athenians and the Atlanteans um, because the people from Athens, they got, like, really annoyed with, like, what everything Atlantis was doing with, like, you know, taking advantage of everyone around them. So they made this alliance um, with the other nations that Atlantis was taking advantage of, and they went to war against them. So in a twist of fate, uh, despite being inferior to the Atlanteans, they managed to have won the war. And it, they pushed the Atlanteans, like, beyond the pillars of Hercules. And right after that, the city sunk to the bottom of the ocean. Um, And it speculated that while it was sinking, some of the Atlanteans fled the island and went to ancient Egypt. And 
they said to ha- they were said to have uh, brought like their records of the civilization with them. And this is how the story comes full circle because those records, when they made it to Egypt, um, there was this Egyptian priest in 600 BC that showed Solon the records. And like I said earlier, if you're keeping track, uh, Solon was where Plato said he got the story from. So among the things that were carried to Egypt, there was the uh, Atlantis ring as well. And, you know, it's said that the Atlantis ring, it was also known as the ring of Luxor when it was first found. It was found during an excavation of the Valley of the Kings in 1860 by an Egyptologist named Marquis Dagrin. Um, And the ring was said to have been gifted to Howard Carter as a protection amulet when he was excavating King Tut's tomb in 1922. And it's theorized that the ring, uh, you know, people say that it's fake. They're like, oh, it's it's not not real. I think everyone is skeptical of anything that, you know, anyone would say. I mean, people are skeptical of Atlantis. So if someone says, hey, this is a ring from Atlantis, they're going to be like twice as skeptical about it, Yeah, they're going to think right? why you're lying. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, people are saying that, oh, no, it's not the, it's not a ring from Atlantis. It's probably like something that someone bought off the street from Cairo. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, right. you know, the, <laughs> that's what they said. But like, you if know, you let look me trick at it, this it, guy and say this is from yeah. Atlantis. I carved this from the tree in my backyard. <laughs> But the thing like is, if something. you see the ring, right, it does not look like any Egyptian style at all. I think anyone would look at it and be like, that is not the type, same type of inscriptions that's on it. Um, we should probably post cool, a picture though. of it online. Yeah, it looks cool. It has like these geometrical shapes on it. So there's this guy. His name is uh, Andre de Belisal, and he's a radiesthesis, um, which is you know, the study of vibrational fields within the human body. Um, And he eventually became the owner of the ring of Atlantis um, after Howard Carter died. And he took the design that was on the ring and he made what we know as the Atlantis bar out of it. So he took the geometrical shapes and put it on a flat bar just to test it out, I guess. Um, And he used it to do several experiments and what he found is that um, it had like this energy field to it. So the shapes created this energy field and it would give someone the ability to access their subconscious minds using it, this energy field. And uh, it would also protect Whoa. against like negative energies, especially so, um, for people who had bad intentions towards you. So it's kind of like the evil eye in a sense. So wait, how, how would one be able to channel their subconscious through shapes like that I don't know Well, remember the Ouija episode where we were talking about how mm-hmm. like shapes are used for different things and yeah it's, it's kind of yeah, tri- like that triangles not that, hearts yeah triangles, <laughs> triangles not, not hearts. hearts triangles not hearts and if you haven't heard a Ouija episode you should check it out because we talk about Egyptians in there too among other stuff um, yeah I mean I guess the the shapes that um have this energy creates this feel who knows what it does all i know is <laughs> this guy said hey <laughs> i took this design from the ring and i put it on this thing and i'm gonna call it the atlantis bar and like it has this energy feel on it and it, it we should probably post the actual picture so you guys can see it um but yeah he, he was talking about like the process of um 
his experiments, which <laughs> I, I mean, if you see it, it's kind of like he put a ball on top of this bar and yeah, made it into like a sort of pendulum type deal. And lo and behold, he said it had an energy field. So, I mean, we weren't there to actually see if it had an energy field or not. I mean, it's kind of like how they say that the crystal skulls have, have this energy field surrounding them and it like talks to you through your subconscious mind and stuff like that. You know, we just have to take their word for it. I mean, believe it, you can believe it or not, um, that's up to you, but it's, it's an interesting concept with the geometrical shapes and stuff. I would Especially make with that. the Egyptians. I huh? would definitely make that. You'd make it? Hell yeah, why not? Yeah, I mean, it's not going to conjure any demons. I'm good. <laughs> I mean, we don't know because it unlocks your subconscious mind. I mean, God knows what happens hey. after that, right? Oh, Lord. Start walking around with my head spinning around. And just, yeah, no, like no, sleepwalking. Right. No, I'm not doing that. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, moving cool, on though. to um, the Atlantis Sphere. So we just did the Atlantis ring, the Atlantis bar, and now we're going to do the Atlantis sphere. And this one is even more interesting. Um, and like I said, this is this is also something where, you know, it's up to you if you want to believe it or not. <laughs> so in 1968, there was a man by the name of Dr. Ray Brown, and he was scuba diving off the, off the coast of the Bahamas, um, 20 miles away from the tongue of the ocean. That's what the area is for the submarine drop-off is called, by the way. So during the dive, Dr. Brown uh, became separated from his group of friends. And he said that he came across this huge crystal pyramid. And I remember when the story came out, it, Wait, was, it was interesting because... Yeah, crystal pyramid off the coast of the Bahamas. And if you guys know, this is like around the area of the Bermuda Triangle. Yo, we got pictures? There are pictures, but... <laughs> I mean, technically, they're more like uh, someone did a 3D mock-up of what it would look like because they didn't get real pictures of the the, the pyramid. Um, so the story goes that uh, during the dive, yeah, he got separated from his friends and he ha he saw this huge crystal pyramid at the bottom of the seafloor, right? So he said that it stood around like 120 feet high. I don't know if he had a tape measure with him. No, I'm just joking. I don't know. <laughs> he probably just looked at it and said that looks like 120 feet. <laughs> um, he eyeballed it. But yeah, he eyeballed it. Um, and he said it, it looked like it was almost like a, like a mirror on the surface because it was so shiny and smooth. And uh, there wasn't any like coral or algae on the walls or anything. Like it looked clean. And... He like swam around the area and he found an entrance into it. So he was like, oh, okay, let me, let me, let me get in there. So he <laughs> swam into the balls. entrance. What the hell? Oh my God. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, weird crystal pyramid underwater. I'm about it. Let's I mean, fucking go, dude. Hell <laughs> Let's yeah. Let's run it. We'll do it. Honestly, yeah, he's brave oh, as hell. Man. I would not do that. You would not catch me in there. <laughs> oh, dude. So he, you know, he probably didn't even have to swim down there. He probably sunk down from the size of his balls. Damn. Like, wow. fuck. <laughs> I would be, I'd oh, see man. that, see an entrance and be like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> see you later. <laughs> yep. Don't worry. I'll wait. Oh, shit. Okay. So I'm sorry to cut you off. I'm, I was just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> My first thought would be like, there's probably a shark in there. I'm good. No, like, <laughs> I mean, uh, you, something. you know, maybe a, a megalodon, like just lurking in there. Like, I don't know. 
I don't so, know. First of all, like diving in caves underwater is dangerous in the first place if it's like uncharted because a current can a rip current can come in and suck you in. You don't know what's in and there. And then you're gone. You're gone. Yeah, like that's so true. that's dangerous to begin with, but man, he saw a freaking <laughs> crystal pyramid. It was like, "Yo, I'm about it." All right, so moving yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> so he entered the First of all, I just want to I just want to preface this. He did not have a flashlight. So oh, great. <laughs> he, he saw the entrance and he Dude, was like, Let me he get just in gets there. more and more. No badass. flashlight. I know, right? <laughs> so he enters the pyramid structure, right? And lo and behold, it is not dark. There is light in this pyramid. I don't know how. Probably because of all the mirrors outside. Who knows, right? So <laughs> he said the room was like well lit. And when he dived into it, there was like this metallic rod that was hanging down in the center, right? And it had a red gem at the end of it that came to a point, right? So below this red gemstone metallic structure in the middle, right? There is this uh, carved stone on top of a stone plate. And on that stone plate was a pair of bronze hands. And I don't know if it's actually made of bronze or he just said that because it's brown. Um, (laughs) So these hands were like life-size and they were holding a sphere in it. And this is where he found the Atlantis sphere, right? So he was trying to get the red gemstone though, because you know, you know, probably probably worth more than this sphere that he was looking at. So he's trying to pocket that red gemstone, but it would not budge. It was like but stuck to the you metal continue, rod. Um, are there pictures of of this? Like, are are we just going on no. his word? We just we were just going on his word. <laughs> so oh, um, well, there's pictures of the sphere though. There are pictures of the sphere, and we should probably post that online too. So there are pictures of the sphere. There's just no pictures of this pyramid that he swam in, or this red gemstone with the metallic rod. None of that. There's nothing else. He just has a picture of the sphere because he took it out and took a picture of it eventually. So, and he even had it at like um, conferences. So if you would go to a conference that he's at, he would have it like displayed out so you can see it. So. Um, yeah, he was trying to take take the red gemstone though, and it would not move. So he was just like, "Okay, next best thing, crystal sphere. Let me grab it." So um, <laughs> when he was leaving the pyramid with the crystal sphere, he said he felt this ominous presence, right? And he said there was this voice that like entered his head and told him never to come back to the pyramid again, right? But you know, this guy, you know, balls of steel, right? He was like, "I'm gonna go back there." one day and he went back and he did not see the pyramid it just disappeared so that's why we don't have any pictures of it (laughs) honestly okay so i want to believe that story because it's so cool but like oh man a lot of holes don't like i'm calling i almost want to just straight up call bs i want to believe it though like that's so cool (laughs) you write about all these it's compelling ancient legends Oh man, what the fuck, dude? He ruined it for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to know why he called it the um, the Atlantis Fair, because like this is in the Bahamas. I mean, honestly, this guy could be making it up, and uh, he honestly he he may have balls of steel. We'll give him that, but he doesn't seem that smart. Being like, yo, I found this crystal. A voice came in my head, said, "Don't come back." I'm fucking going back. And he ruined it for everyone. Thanks, guy, whatever your name is. What's his name? Dr. Ray Brown. Ray Brown, I'm going to send you a letter. 
<laughs> oh man. Oh man. Yeah, there's like I, there's so many theories about where Atlantis is supposed to be, but I think um, it's supposed to be like around the Mediterranean Sea. Um, yeah, around I think it's the Mediterranean. There's like so many theories about where it is, but like, you know, I guess maybe the Bahamas is one. Who knows if it actually ended up over that side, but I mean, the story came from Greece and Egypt, so I don't know how it Yeah, ended it up would in make the sense that it would be in that area, not not the Bahamas, <clears throat> but um you know, in the ocean near all the European countries. Yeah, that would make more sense. I mean, like I don't know what the, Okay, I can think of an explanation for why it would be in the Bermuda Triangle. And the only reason would be that um, maybe there's like this wormhole that connects them, and like you know, you know, just if you enter one side, okay. it takes you to the other side of the world. Honestly, guys, I, I I want your opinion. If this story was true, with Ray Brown diving, going in there, getting the sphere, hearing the voice in his head, who whose voice do you think that was in his head? God. Like it, it, open mind, <laughs> nothing's off, like everything off the table. Whose voice right. do you think that was in his realistically? Head? Realistically, Poseidon or Hercules? Yes, yes, Poseidon. <laughs> that, that's what I was I gonna say. That. I was like, "Yo, you just got told by that. Poseidon, you're fucking trespassing, dude. Get out!" Right. By the way, I seen you uh, take that uh, sphere and right? so. <laughs> <laughs> if it were that. me, I'd close the door. I mean, if it's a pyramid, it should have a trap door, and I would trap him in there. <laughs> like, right? Or, like, why would the pyramid disappear? Yo, you said he picked up the sphere. You, you said he picked yeah, up he the picked sphere. I was up. like, this is going to be yeah. some Indiana Jones shit right now. I mean, like, it kind of is technically. It kind of is. Ray Brown, thank you for ruining it for for everyone. Just honestly, <laughs> dude. Well. You're a thief. What if you went what to it, the wrong spot? That's why you couldn't find the pyramid again. The wrong spot? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I feel like if the pyramid... He said it kind of looked like mirrors outside, right? So I'm like, what if okay, it was what still if, there? He just didn't see it. What if this is like an interdimensional pyramid? And the only reason that we were able to see it was because of the frigging sphere. And he took the sphere out. And, and gone. Yeah, oh, it's okay. gone. I could, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. That's just, Anything's yeah. possible. That's just my theory. Once again, I don't know. ruined it for everyone, Ray. Ruined it. You ruined it. Good job, Ray. You only you had one it. thing to do. You had one job. You had one job, and you ruined it. You ruined it. <laughs> By the way, if you see these pictures of the spheres, it has like pyramids inside the sphere. It looks really cool. Oh yeah, this the sphere it, looks awesome. So I mean, you still ruined it for everyone, Ray. But at least we get to see a cool picture of a sphere. I mean. Yeah, you know, if it's true or not, I don't know, but it looks cool as hell. And it's linked to freaking Tot from uh, Egypt. So, you know, you know, uh, Herm, what's his name? Hermes Tot. And he was like said to be like an Atlantean too. So, Hermes was an Atlantean? Cool fact. Hermes Tot was an Atlantean. Oh. AKA, um, it, I think other people, I think biblical people would know, know him as Trismegist. Yeah, Trismegist. That's his other name. Cool guy. Cool guy. We should do an episode just on him. Trismegist? Yeah. Sounds like a bad rapper. 
Trismegis. Yeah. Yeah, I like the story of the Atlantis sphere though, because it's 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 cool and it kind of ties in with the idea of the Atlanteans, you know, utilizing crystals um, for whatever reason. I mean, maybe this one was to make it visible in our own dimension. If you believe the story that Dr. Ray Brown said, who knows? But anyway, oh yeah, oh you know, well, yeah, that just clicked because you, you were saying they used uh, crystals to power their their uh, city. Maybe it was like some sort of defense for them, and maybe he found one of their they're like sites for that that's that's awesome but um yeah. atlantis I, I never man a lot of the stuff you brought up i'd actually never heard about atlantis the ring the uh the bar and the sphere which i'm still upset with you dr a brown uh but <laughs> it's your fault you know one of the uh one of the other sunken lost cities that i didn't know much about before this was uh, Lemuria, or more commonly known as Mu, spelled M-U. Mu is actually, basically think of it as like a Pacific Ocean like version of Atlantis. No one really knows what happened to it and there's no like actual physical evidence of it existing. It's all from like passed down from word of mouth over centuries. It's, it's basically oral traditions that have been passed down from like nations from uh, the Polynesian natives of Hawaii, the Dogon tribe and Tuareg tribes in Africa. And um, there's actually like mentions of it in uh, Hindu texts like the Ramayana. It's mentioned in there. Um, and so there's a lot of uh, mentions of it, but there's no physical evidence of it actually like existing. So um, on a map, if you were to picture where Atlantis was in like the Mediterranean area by like Spain and Africa, Mu would actually be like towards Australia near China, stretching across that large um, body of water in the Pacific Ocean. Like it's massive uh, and it's, it was a big continent. So it was like it's known as like the legendary kingdom of Lemuria and um, it was an Asian rival of Atlantis, supposedly. The legend has it that there were tombs, artifacts, uh, sub-ocean chambers. And um, one cool thing is uh, if you go on Google Earth near the Mariana Islands, the Marshall Islands, the Howland Islands, uh, Lay New Guinea, they're all spread out. Uh, the cool thing about all these is it kind of outlines where Lemuria would have been. So it's almost like a little outline or a map of the lost continent and it places the capital of Mu just north of where Maui is so that's really interesting but um, what I kind of find more cool is that it's one of those legends that's been passed down through word of mouth but there's a gentleman by the last name Churchward who has uh, written many books on his thoughts of the lost continent there's a PDF file we'll put on the website and it's a basically like a little compilation of some things that are interesting pulled from his writings and one cool thing about it in Churchward's writings um, he states that there is confirmation of Mu and other ancient manuscripts including such a classic as the Hindu epic with the Ramayana in one place in the Ramayana 
uh, there's mention that the Nikals came to Burma from the land of their birth in the east. And so that birthplace is supposed to be the lost continent Mu. According to legend, the lost continent of Mu met a similar fate to Atlantis. Apparently there were there was a lot of volcanic activity that sort of destroyed the city, caused massive floods. And here's the interesting thing. Legend has it that a massive giant turtle came up out of the water to save all the civili- most of the civilization of the continent and brought them over to the Easter Island. So there's a, a lot of cool things uh, with the lost continent of um, Mu that we still don't know about. It's, it's a lesser known continent than Atlantis would be, but there's definitely a lot of good uh, arguments to say that it did once exist just by looking at the maps of volcanic activity in the area and there's been many references but it's all similar to how Plato was uh, Plato heard it and from there on he wrote it down and it was just word of mouth Um, and Mu has just been passed down and different cultures by word of mouth for generations so it's one of those things where there's no there's no like oh we found this ring or this bar it's just been hey this was here this is all we have to show for it our culture our stories and it's a really fun thing to think about uh having just the mystery of there being another lost continent out there so yeah, and I, I find it interesting, too, because, you know, the continent of Mu has, like, so many different names. Even one of them was, like, the continent of Hiva. And, um, you know, it's a it's a story that the Rapa Nui from Easter Island tell um, a lot. And it, it's interesting because, like, back then, during that time, Earth was, like, more even um, in terms of, like, landmass ratio to water. Because this was before um, the Ice Age started to talk out, right? And that's why we have more water now than we did back then. Back then, So I guess when that was happening, that's the reason for the flooding. Um, but it also could be, you know, the whole like biblical flood type situation where, you know, we're seeing mm-hmm. all these places just flooding over. Um, so who knows? I mean, it's interesting that so many cultures have like this this blood story and I don't th- <laughs> I was saying this before we recorded I was like I don't think you know Earth got flooded that many times you know I wasn't there yeah, was probably to, just to like prove it but one yeah I think it's one, one flood race. told by different people <laughs> like yeah. a painter just yeah. splashing his canvas I guess with some water pretty water much <laughs> and you know I like I like the um, <laughs> I like the I like this the, the whole idea that this huge turtle came from the sea and you know move the people from Mu onto Easter Island like yeah when I when I hear that like the the thing I think about is like maybe they interpreted it as a turtle and it wasn't a turtle but you know that's probably just me watching too much ancient aliens and thinking aliens must be aliens right um <laughs> like I'm not saying so it's what, aliens what exactly do you think it would have been 
I'm going with aliens. I'm You're going with the aliens? Sure. Okay. Oh, cool. yeah. I, I'm thinking it's some type of technology that they did not understand. Because I'm like, okay, it kind of sounds submarine, <clears throat> but like, at the same time, it's, <clears throat> <laughs> Sorry. it's huge. It's huge. It's huge enough to have like a, like a good amount of people on top of it, right? So, I don't know. Maybe it just looked like a huge turtle to them because of like maybe it had inscriptions on the top of it. And this is gonna play out a little bit, but I don't know if um, if you guys heard our UFOs episode um, part one. I mentioned it before, where crafts seem to have inscriptions on the top of them, and this is like a common theme that we hear about um, from people who have actually seen them close up and you know close encounters with them. So who knows? Maybe it's actually aliens. I, I want to believe it's aliens because I like the whole like story of it. <laughs> But I don't know. I, I just don't think it's a huge turtle. I don't know what it could have been. Um, I don't. I don't want. I don't like thinking that it's aliens. But what else could it be? You know. Um, it can be the people from Middle Earth coming to save you. Oh wow! <laughs> so how'd they get there? The Middle, middle Earthers. Hmm? Yeah, you know, there's so many what, theories they, about they just like fell in Earth the hole? being hollow hmm? and you know, like bases in in underwater and. Oh yeah, stuff. we got dinosaurs in there. You never watched um, <laughs> what is that? Ice Ice Age, Dawn of the Dinosaurs. I don't know. I tried to avoid Ice Age movies. Oh, okay, well we got dinosaurs in Earth. But yo, know, speaking speaking of UFOs underwater, though, there's speculation of this one USO, this very popular USO, being a crashed UFO that sank to the ocean, and. We also don't know what it is at this point, but people have been calling it the Baltic Sea Anomaly. And you may have heard it. It's one of oh, the most mean, popular uh, USO subjects out there. You mean the Millennium Falcon? I knew she was going there. <laughs> 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 Man, no. that thing, if you've seen the Star Wars movie... <laughs> Movies, it looks cool to us, but like everyone in the movie is like, Man, that's a piece of crap. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it crashed, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if you if you see the Baltic Sea anomaly, uh, it the outline does roughly look like the Millennium Falcon, but no, I don't think it's the Millennium Falcon at all because it's I'm calling it that. No way it could be. Else <laughs> you never know, we can't prove it anyway. So, the Baltic Sea anomaly is obviously located in the Baltic Sea because hence the name uh but some why a lot of people are speculating that it could be a crashed ufo uh is not just the shape the shape does look saucer-ish but behind it there's like um there's a tail of like a what looks like a crash and drag marks like as if it impacted with uh going a certain direction with such force to where it was dragging behind it and it's really neat because it's it's a structure that has it, it's definitely not just naturally made from the earth because we were discussing this before the episode we've never seen perfect corners cut by mother nature uh this straight up looks like it was handcrafted there's stairs that lead up to this um hole that you're able to go inside or what seems to look like you can go inside. But there's a staircase. It looks like there's carvings in this anomaly that are just man-made or just not natural. So the team that discovered it was Ocean X, and they uh, 
have been investigating this object for quite some time and they they want to have funding constantly to go and investigate it but um there were samples taken of it and um the geologist um that has been studying this object with them according to his tests the object is made of metals which nature cannot reproduce itself and this object sits 300 feet below the surface it's about 26 feet tall and it's definitely not natural so that's really what the baltic sea anomaly is and it's there's theories that the object could be at least 140,000 years old and a professor at Stockholm University by the name of Volker Bruchert uh, said his hypothesis is that the object of the structure was formed during the Ice Age many thousands of years ago. And so, um, yeah, there's speculation that this object uh, did form during the Ice Age. And that also raises questions about whether this could actually not just be a UFO, but maybe a part of Atlantis. It is in a similar part of where Atlantis could be because it is between Sweden and Finland. So that that is geographically the area of where Atlantis is, you know, theorized to be. There's two different theories here. Crashed UFO or man-made structure from Atlantis. We're not sure. Like, honestly, I would, if I were them, I would, well, not that team, because I know Oceanex is like private. It's not like, you know, government based or whatever. So yeah. they probably don't have the, the budgeting for it, but honestly, or the funding for it, I should say. But if it were me and I worked, uh, you know, I was like part of the government, I'd be like, hey, we should try to investigate that thing that's in the Baltic Sea, you know? Um, <laughs> like, yeah. that's just me, though. I, I it's, it's interesting because it, it seems to have like this this um, magnetic thing going on because uh, they said that the Ocean X team, they said that when they were there, um, like their devices or any electronics yeah, they that they off. brought would just freak out. Yeah, it would just have like straight straight up scramble signals like and just start some kind Some kind of a magnetic field effect on their yeah. equipment and they, you know, after leaving, it would work fine. So yeah, it's interesting, um, and and we see that theme a lot, um, you know, in terms of like the Bermuda Triangle, for example, like anything that has like this high magnetism to it has this feature of like scrambling signals and making devices just go haywire. Yeah, yeah, it, it does raise a lot of questions. Why is this not being researched more? Is there knowledge is there like actual evidence of what this could be out there and that's been covered up because there's evidence of that in a lot of other things like how ufos were covered up for decades and decades for from the public so maybe there is actually some information about what this could be somewhere that's hidden um i feel like it should have been explored more or especially brought to the attention of like government officials it could answer a lot of questions or bring to light a lot of different things. Yeah, I think um, the Ocean X team, they were trying to get the Swedish army to investigate it further, but I don't know how far they got with that. Yeah. So if you're listening to this and you ever decide that you want to read Christopher Columbus's journal entries, 
they're online for your consumption. And you're probably wondering why the hell would you want to read that anyway, right? <laughs> yeah, why would so we want to read that, dirt. Andriana? This is freaking bastard. Uh, anyway. <laughs> no, I, I thought you were going to be like, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> 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 My bad. I, I, I get I get annoyed when I think about Christopher Columbus. Cause, You're you know, not the only one. I feel one. like anyone, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like anyone on the planet had some type of, like their country had some type of history with him, especially in the new world, as he would call it, right? Freaking bastard. Anyway, so Christopher Columbus, if you ever want to read this guy's journals, and you know, it's probably boring as hell, but there is something really interesting that ties in with this episode in his journals. And the journal entry is actually dated October 11th, 1492. So Christopher Columbus was on his, one of his many ships, which is only three ships, right? Because I made it sound like it was a lot of ships. Um, I mean, three is still a lot. Yeah, I mean, to be traveling like that. Anyway, so this guy had three main ships, right? So his ships were the Santa Maria, the Pinta, and La Nina, right? So he was on the Santa Maria. And while he was there... And it, this wasn't just him. It's like him and his entire crew saw this thing, right? So on October 11th, 1492, it was during the night. I think it was like 10 p.m. And yes, he documented the time. I d- didn't even know they kept track of time back then. But, I, you know, we <laughs> learn something new every day. Um, <laughs> so Columbus, um, he noticed this light, right? And he described the light as being like a, like a wax candle moving up and down beneath the ocean. And like everyone was looking at this thing, so he he was like, I don't I don't know why I, I just feel connected to this thing that I'm looking at. He should have just jumped, but you know, <laughs> um, he was just <laughs> he was just looking at it, and yeah, he said he felt like this kinship with it. Right? Does it say where and, where he was? Did I miss that? Where was he off of? Oh oh, this was in the Bermuda Triangle. I should have said that in the beginning, huh? This was in while well, he was passing the Bermuda Triangle. Um, he saw this above it, and you, the thing is, that's interesting. Is that leading up to this day, while they were like in this area, um, several days before, it was like this continuous thing where they were seeing, you know, lights, right? But you know, everything came to a head on October 11th, 1492. So he was seeing. <laughs> He was seeing these lights and then all of them were seeing these lights. Like they were like looking at each other, like him and his entire crew were were just like, what's up with the lights? And it goes into more detail. I mean, obviously, if you want to look at his journal entries, just look at this date. But yeah, he was seeing these weird lights under the water and they were just like looking at it. And, you know, this is possibly the first documented USO period that we know of. So I thought that was interesting. I mean, it could it could be a lot of things though. Um, you know, something some creature with bioluminescence like uh I mean, it could be. You know, bioluminescent jellyfish or uh something in the water that is possibly swimming or moving around and there's bioluminescent algae in the water, something like that. Uh that's a big thing like especially over in like Puerto Rico, off the coast of Africa, 
bioluminescent uh, algae and um, all that in the water is really common. So maybe that's some, I don't know how far in the Bermuda Triangle they were, but that's a theory I have. It could yeah. be bioluminescence. Yeah. So uh, Christopher Columbus, uh, he should have, you know, you know, when um, one of your friends asks you, like, where you at and you drop the pin, he should have dropped the pin. So we know exactly where in the Bermuda <laughs> Triangle he was. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I just know He'd he was probably lie it. about that, too. And uh I mean, you know, he could be the first to say, I discovered USOs, so, you know, never know. <laughs> I mean, he wanted to be the first to discover America, so he said he yeah, did that. I mean, <laughs> quote, unquote, discover. <laughs> yeah, right. Anyway, I, I, can spend a, I can spend days roasting this guy. Um, yeah. But hey, anyway, I won't. I won't. But I just want to mention that um, one thing that he did believe was that he thought the lights were guiding him to the new world. What a dingus. So, you know, screw those, <laughs> screw those lights as well. What a dingus, man. <laughs> this guy. Oh. I, this guy was interesting. I mean, he thought he was going to India and he was all the way in you know, the, the side Americas. Of the so. damn planet, yo. This guy right? Following right. lights in the damn water. <laughs> <laughs> that was probably why he got lost. <laughs> Really? <laughs> no, I was I was you know like following this jellyfish. He was smoking that shit, wasn't and he? And I thought he was taking me <laughs> to India. Dude, check it out. I'm in Panama. <laughs> uh, Chris, Chris <laughs> Columbus, chill. Panama. Chris, you're doing it again. Man. <laughs> I told you not to smoke that seaweed, and here we are. You following lights? We we're fucking lost. Don't get it, man. Anyway, it's not it's not a first. It's not the first for us to see. Um, you know. USOs around this area. I feel like USOs just love this side of the world a lot. So there's so many like documented cases of USOs. I feel like we cannot mention USOs without mentioning the notorious, notorious, fully documented case of Shag Harbor. Shag Harbor. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Yeah. All right, and you told me not to mention Austin Powers before this. And here you go. <laughs> Maybe you wanted the. To... <laughs> All right. No. Oh, I... No. Are we gonna no. edit that out? No. No, you can keep it in. Yeah, All we're right. keeping that so in. So this incident happened back in October of 1967. Um, in a little fishing town uh, south of Nova Scotia called Nova Scotia. Sag- no- Nova Scotia. I probably said that wrong. I'm sorry. Nova um, known as Sag Harbor. So it was like it was on the 4th, actually, of October. Um, handful of teenagers um, watched a bunch of lights in the sky. Uh, they said there were about four, but some people say there were four. Some people say there were three. Now, it wasn't just these kids uh, that seen the lights. Pretty much a, bu- a bunch of people in town seen them. Um, a bunch of, uh, there were a bunch of cops that were out and about. They, were, they all seen these lights. So it wasn't just kids making up a story, which was pretty cool. And I, yeah. I, I like that. I, it wasn't like, um, you know, he say or she say. There's like so many people witnessing the same event. Exactly. And it was actually cool that it wasn't just the, you know, the townsfolk. It was like the law. Yeah, the they, Royal they Canadian Mounted Police. That's yeah. a cool name. That's really, that, really long name, but really cool name. Yeah, them folk. So was this like in the middle of like 
town where literally everyone in town could just like look over and see like oh there's weird lights in the water uh yeah. no th- it was not in the middle was... but like there was a highway or something around there yeah um, but it was so... at nighttime though yeah but you know lights right but yeah lights <laughs> but uh yeah i guess the kids must have been hanging out but yeah it was um you know yeah some people saw road, it while they were driving three. around yeah, the um, area what's his name uh constable ron pond he was actually driving on the road when he saw the lights and uh, he said it was about the i guess the ship itself was about 60 feet long Damn. that's a yeah. big one holy sh- so as this uh object you know was doing its thing um witnesses said that it did a uh like 45 degree angle dive and was just floating like kind of like hovering above the water not really hovering but like i guess just chilling skidding across the water i, I guess i guess the res- the best resem- uh, um, explanation i could do is like when you like skip rocks and as it was, it was like um above the water it was i i, I don't want to use the word secreting because it just sounds yucky. What? <laughs> but <laughs> there was as it was in the water there was this yellow foam yeah there's like this yellow foam it was leaving behind and um, still everyone witnessed all this going on Yo, they should have got samples <clears throat> so, of the yellow foam. Yeah, surprisingly. They probably just had rabies. Oh, God. Oh, God. No, it, see? No. <laughs> Alien ship comes out of nowhere and they come with that rabies. <laughs> nah, bro. You got that Mars rabies. We don't want that here on Earth. You keep that over there. And then, so, it's about, you know, late now. Uh, let's say midnight. Uh, Coast Guard shows up. And uh, Coast Guard shows up, a bunch of other boats still spotting the, the sighting. By this time, though, the lights are gone. But all everyone, all they're seeing are the, is the yellow foam in the water. Hmm. Sorry, they're glowing. Shine bright like a diamond. I wonder if it was like their fuel source interacting with the water in such a way or something that would cause it to foam if it wasn't human. There's this theory that... Um, the USOs actually use the water as like an energy source so it's like kind of fueling up so it's technically taking in the water but um, USOs or UFOs in general are so hot in temperature um, that it causes things to like look like they're boiling foaming yeah but really it's just like I don't know it's just a theory that it's using it using the water to like fuel up for like uh, hydromagnetic energy I don't know. That's just that's just a theory. I don't know. You know, well, obviously we don't know unless we take one of the ships with us. So, so the following day, um, resource uh, rescue coordination center uh, filled a report with the Canadian Forces uh, headquarters. I'm not gonna say that name because I'm gonna butcher it. Um, that uh, they stated that something hit the water in Shag Harbor, but the object itself, it's um, unknown origins. Uh, divers from the HMCS Grandy was deployed on the location of the crash um, where they searched the bottom of the ocean for several days, but um, without any positive results, though. They didn't really, they didn't find anything. Officially. <clears throat> Officially. Officially. <laughs> Who knows, maybe they actually took it, because if it is a downcraft, you know, why would they tell us it's a downcraft, right? They'd be like, oh yeah, we found this uh, US, you know the one that crashed in Strike Harbor? Yeah, we have it. Yeah, they won't say that. So. <laughs> You're right. We took it. Yeah. Especially since it was like secreting stuff. So that would be great. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I don't know. I found that interesting. Um, 
So we're going to fast forward to 1993. Um, we're still on the explanations. One of the explanations that they gave at this point was that it was a Russian uh, space crash that has of crashed. Course. But they're just blame the Russians. The Russians, because <laughs> apparently was a sighting of one of their um, submarines in the area. And there was also rumor that we, America, um, was involved in the uh, investigation, but there was no official statements on that, that we were there. Yeah, because they need to hide the fact that they took the USO. So. Yeah, we, we probably got that bit. <laughs> just chilling. <laughs> Hanging out. Ooh, what's this button do? <laughs> it's the yeah, secretion button. This oh, God. <laughs> so this is that yellow stuff that this we're putting yellow in the water. Stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so there's a gentleman by uh, Chris Styles and uh, I guess a colleague of his from MUFON, an investigator by the name of Doug Ledger. These two guys were pretty intrigued by this case, so they did their own investigating. They went ahead and contacted the original witnesses um, through the newspapers and did their own in, um, interviewing, finding out that once the uh, divers left and finished their work, that the case was not over, not even a little bit. And also that the military, well, I guess, we, or the Navy, was playing pretty much battleships with these USOs that have been under the water. Um, you mean they've been like, attacking them or uh not necessarily attacking them they were pretty much positioned i guess they were waiting if these usos would attack first they were going to attack them but oh so they, they were just taking like defensive measures and yeah and um uh, this is no off the record from ex-military so it's cool to have the proof there so the navy they decided to wait and watch for about a week i would be annoyed as shit waiting for something to happen just chilling there but anywho so they were just monitoring monitoring the two usos like i said uh previously they were just pretty much waiting there i guess in like a position as if they were ready to strike just in case the us one of the usos decided to you know make any funny maneuvers that anyone didn't like just in case they were like trigger happier and then they were gonna get blown up right out the damn water <laughs> um but and keep in mind the russian submarine was is still there so so then after like two weeks of just waiting, the uh, underwater, the crafts themselves decided to start moving and uh, they made their way to the Gulf of Maine and just hauling ass, putting a bunch, a lot of distance between them and the, uh, you know, Navy as they're trying to catch up, but failing horribly. And um, after this, the uh, ships themselves broke the surface and shot away in the skies. And we were pretty much not seen after that. So they came up out of the water and flew in, in the sky? Yeah, they took off like bats out of hell. Gone. <laughs> and it said nothing about the yellow stuff in the water. So I guess they, for that two-week period, they were actually fixing. Maybe the second USO that came down was probably helping the first USO with the leaky stuff in the water. Probably. Should, yeah, probably. They should have just like, gotten samples of that foam or something or of the water around there. Right. Oh, that's any, like, that's infuriating changes. to me. Yeah, like, what if there was something chemically different that's not of this world or something? Or, like, right. we could have seen, like, what type of fuel, like, maybe it was, like, a fuel source. Maybe. Hmm. It's just, like, that. that is so frustrating to me that they did not gather samples of it or didn't think to do that. Well, who's who's to say they didn't, and they just didn't say it officially on the record? So, around what time was Shag Harbor? 
it was 1967. 1967. 1967. So that's like just really recent. October 4th. My bad. October 4th. Yeah. What's that? Yeah. October 4th. October 4th, 1967. So that's pretty recent as far as like a really, you know, well documented USO. Probably the best documented one. Yeah, definitely. So that's really cool. And apparently there's some really uh, ancient uh, USO stories, not just dealing with ancient cities, but would it be craft? Like a USO, like... Craft, yeah. Like craft of some kind? Yeah, I think this kind of like ties in with the idea of what we saw with um, the lost continent of Mu. So that's what this one reminds me of. And... The only reason I chose it was because I think it's really cool. Um, so this one, it's called Japan's Otsurobune, or the Japanese Otsurobune, which just means hollow both in English. And this happened back in February 22nd, 1803. So this is, well, there are different dates that um, happened because there were three different texts that um, covered this story. Um, but the... I guess the accepted idea is that this happened on February 22nd, 1803, right? So this was in, like, probably off the coast of Tokyo. There were these group of fishermen, and they were from the Hitachi region, and they saw a boat coming in, right? Well, they thought it was a boat. (laughs) So they saw this thing coming in, and they said, like, the size of it was, like, between 3.3 meters high by 5.4 meters wide. And it was like floating near the shore. So the boat, um, it, it reminded them of an incense burner. And if you've ever seen one, it's just like saucer shaped. Um, and it was said that it was like made of metal on the bottom. And then on the top of it is glass. So on top of this interesting saucer shaped object, there was a woman. So there was this young woman, um, they said she was like very beautiful and strange looking because she had red hair and she had like really, really pale skin. So they were like, yep, she is not Japanese. Um, (laughs) And they said she was like, maybe. Yeah, she was (laughs) definitely, God knows where, where she was from, but she was not Japanese. That's what they said. Right. So it's believed that she was like 18 or 20 years old and, um, she was, Mm, wearing like this really interesting or I guess I guess you should say fine fabrics. She was wearing fine garments, really long and unknown fabrics that they haven't seen because it's not like obviously she's not Japanese, right? Um, so they tried to talk to this young lady that was on top of this saucer shaped object. But when she started talking, she was not talking in Japanese. So they could not understand her, right? Um, and she was holding this really strange box in her hand and they were like trying to touch it and she was like guarding it and like it's probably her lucky charms dude (laughs) whatever it was she was like don't touch but like obviously you know probably with hand gestures or something because they didn't have a language in common with each other right um so you know they believe you know just based off her off of her appearance that she was probably a queen of a distant country that got exiled or something um and you know just the time um this happened in the 1800s the japanese weren't 
that accepting of outsiders. So yeah. I guess in order to not get, I don't know, um, in trouble, they were like, you know what? Let's just push her back into the ocean and let her sail away. So that's what they did with her. <laughs> so it was basically a flat metal bottom with a glass top or what seemed to be a glass top. It was like more of a, like a, what, like a saucer shaped thing. So it wasn't flat on the bottom necessarily, oh. but it was like rounded. Um, and it had strange symbols like inscribed on the top of it. So hmm. like they could see right inside, like I said, cause the top of it was glass. They could see inside and that's how they knew it was hollow on the inside. It's, it's, it's not a raft. Like it literally looks like a saucer shaped UFO. Like it, it, it <laughs> seems like we don't, we really don't know what it is. Yeah, they just call it like the the hollow boat, but you know, who knows what it was? Because you know, they didn't try to investigate it because they were scared of getting in trouble for even talking to a foreigner, um, and they couldn't read the inscriptions that was on it. So. You know, who's to say? Like, there's even this um, theory that sh- this was like the early, the earliest known record of um, ha- ha- uh, of being in contact with beings from another planet. So, you know, there's also that theory that she was not even human to begin with. Pale skin, red hair. So, but she oh, was humanoid. I, oh, I got it. Humanoid looking, yeah. What's her name from Fifth Element? Huh? <laughs> What's her name from Fifth Element? Oh, the one dude. with the multi-pass? Oh my, yes. She's pale with red hair. Yes. The Fifth Element chick? Yeah. Oh, what's her name? I love that movie. What the hell's her oh, name? Oh, man. What's her name? Wait, wait, wait. What's her name? What's her name? Uh, Lilu. Lilu. Lilu, yes. She's Lilu from Fifth Element. <laughs> that's I so mean, true because she didn't awesome speak game. English. Exactly. <laughs> and she has she orange hair. Didn't she? Yeah. She had those uh the four element thingamajiggies. She yeah. Yeah, and this this yeah, what? That's uh, maybe that's um the inspiration for her character in the fifth element cuz you know she's all about the inscriptions and then this craft has inscriptions on it. So who knows? Maybe she is, you know, from outer space. Yeah. Or from the deep. Uh, yeah, that's The that deep. Too. Maybe she was like um a siren. If, yeah, hey. You never know. I'm all about No, the, the siren would be singing to them and want them to approach her so she can kill them eat and them. Maybe she's like the anti siren. She could have um, been a mermaid. Maybe maybe a mermaid. I don't know. I just like the story nah, of like the story of it, it is cool. She wouldn't be a mermaid because she's not half fish. She was humanoid, red hair. But yeah, that is cool. It's just like how I'm trying to wrap my head around how they could think it's somebody from another planet when really all I'm thinking of is Ireland. <laughs> well, you have to remember this was like Edo Japan. So this was like during a time when they didn't have any contact with the other countries around them or anything. Might have been, but like how do you explain that thing that she was on? Because that looked like a straight up saucer. Yeah. Alright, look, I got it. So literally it's just a shield, right? Big ass shield. And they just put some stuff on it so she didn't draw on or nothing, but she got in trouble and they just kicked their ass out. Wow. Yep. 
<laughs> and then they just they just pushed her right into the And there you go. <sighs> Good luck. Yeah. See you. Bye bye. Yeah. That's nah, kind of fucked up. I don't think they did that. I mean, they pushed her back into the ocean though. They were like, we're <laughs> not you? trying to talk to you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> she was probably oh, like man. trying to come on land, and they were just like, bye. -bye. bye. Yo, like, I've been floating for like two years. Somebody help me. <laughs> she probably ended up on an island with a pet coconut. Wow. Okay, Castaway. Yeah. <laughs> that was on pet coconut. He had that friend, the volleyball, right? Oh, it was a volleyball. Oh, yeah. Volleyball. I got confused because didn't the volleyball girl like leaves out of it or something? I don't know. No. What? No. Oh, but, yeah. yeah okay, so, so back to the hollow boat, though. So they said they yeah. could see inside of it. Mm -hmm. What was inside of it? They just said it was hollow. Like, this is a, an old tale. <laughs> Even if they saw anything inside, like... Yeah, like, that's what I wanted to know, too. Like, it could have had, like, you know, it was actual cockpit. You know, what if it was part to, of something else and maybe her actual spaceship, mm. like, blew up and she hit the eject button? Dude, all you know? I'm thinking about is, like, what if it were some sort of, like, terrarium to where she can like submerge and has it has plants in there to produce enough oxygen or something like that or i don't know so she can breathe in there i mean i like the idea that she's an alien more than anything else i mean not everything's aliens guys like i mean yeah but the story of it though the story I like i'm not saying it has to be aliens i'm just saying it's cool story like a cool story bro cool story yes i like cool stories cool story bro yeah doesn't have to be aliens. We just watched a little bit too much of uh, ancient aliens, but you know. Yes. I don't necessarily yes, believe it's aliens. I'm just saying, like, it's cool to believe that. Yeah. Well, anyway. So, I am going to do a book recommendation because I feel like I might do that every UFO USO episode. Um, and Nerd. This is just because. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is just because. Um, this topic is actually well documented it's the only thing is if you google uso you won't see any of it like you actually have to like google underwater ufos or submerged cities or this or that you know stuff like that but if you type usos you won't really find all of this stuff so there's this really cool book it's called russia's uso secrets and it is written by paul stonehill and philip mantle right and I highly recommend this book because it is, um, well, from what the authors say, they got information from people who were like part of the KGB and, um, you know, their whole like Navy, I guess. Um, and they kept a lot of these, a uh, lot of these stories secret. So that's why it's called, you know, Russia's USO secrets, right? Obviously, <laughs> but it's a cool book because they, they mention a lot of stories, um, that, like when you're reading it you're like what the heck like is this legit like and it, it makes you wonder more right so um one of the stories or i should I, you know what? i'll mention like three of them that i found really interesting while going through the book right so in august 2nd 1965 this happened um in the red sea right so there was a crew of russian uh there were a crew of a russian steamship named Raduga. I'm assuming that's how you say it. I'm sorry if I'm butchering the name. But there's a Raduga observer. And it observed a UFO. Which was um, in the Red Sea. Just two miles away from their vessels. Right? 
and it was like illuminating the sea um, in a spherical shape and, and it started to rise from the water just slowly and then the, the, the crew on the boat um, they like everyone on the boat saw this object like just rising from the water right and they said that it ascended like straight into the sky and it left behind this like strong wave of water that flipped the boat and it caused one man to die so in the following months after you know this first of all one guy immediately died i just want to put that into perspective one guy immediately died from the boat flipping right but in the following months three more died and two were diagnosed with blood cancer after coming in contact with this ship yeah that's not so yeah they probably got that yellow foam stuff i don't know like, wow. I, I was gonna say radiation <laughs> but oh yeah, yeah it's probably radiation I, my bad it's probably radiation. i still can't get the image of red foam uh my bad yellow foam out of my head um <laughs> anyway i found that really interesting because i'm like okay so this according to this book you know someone legit immediately died and you know three other people died and two got blood cancer like I feel like that would be something that should be in public record. But like I said, this is the KGB. They don't really put out information like that because they don't like other people knowing about the stuff they know, right? Um, <clears throat> and there's this other story that happened in, 19, in the 1980s. Um, there was a Soviet Pacific fleet that detected a USO twice on their sonar while they were in the Devil Sea. Um, one of the officers, and I apologize again if I butchered his name, his name is uh, Vinogradov. That sounds legit. That's as legit as I'm gonna make that name sound. Vinova, Vinogra, Vinogradov. Um, he stated that the USO that they caught on sonar um, was traveling at great speeds in the depths uh, before disappearing. So they observed that. Um, so in October 1988, a Soviet aircraft carrier um, by the name of Novorosky's on the Strait of Malacca in the Indonesian waters observed a gigantic object that was behind an island as they were conducting training exercises, right? So this is a, this is um, like a boat with a lot of people who were training, right? So they were just doing training exercises and the object that they saw rose from behind the island and was visible for 15 minutes in the sky, right? So it had like 36 lights that they could have count, counted uh, throughout it, right? And there was this K-27 helicopter that attempted to intercept it. Um, but the object quickly like took off. And while this was happening, all the electronic devices and battery operated devices died immediately. Like as soon as it took off, it like immediately died. And the ship's engine stopped functioning for 45 seconds. And then everything functioned again after it disappeared. I find it interesting. I mean, just the idea of it is really, really cool to me. Um, you know, obviously we can't verify any of this because we I'm, I don't think any of us have seen a USO before. Um, but I've seen pictures, just not any in person. <laughs> I'm still caught up on the whole two people got blood cancer on that yeah. ship. Like, I'm still caught up on that because that's... A rare thing to happen to people that were in the same place around the same time get the same type of cancer not only that but it's blood cancer like that's brutal 
Yeah. I mean, like what I, I guess like Marvin said, it's probably just from radiation. I don't know how blood cancer works, but I'm assuming it would be like something like that. Well, in our blood, don't we have um, all sorts of different kinds of metals in our blood? Do we? So, I didn't go to like, school. you know how the spaceships are like, you know, taken off or whatever? Could it be like a vibration thing? Like, I don't know. It disrupts something in their blood and boom, blood cancer. Maybe. I I, I'm just thinking it's, yeah. it's the radiation for real. That's just what I have in mind. For sure. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how radiation works, but I know we are not compatible with it and it would screw us up. That's why they tell you don't stand in front of microwaves, right? Like, oh, I'm shouldn't even use. We sh technically shouldn't even be using microwaves for that. Dude, it's the same alone, thing but... with our phones, too. Like, technically, our phones emit a little bit of radiation from it. Like, just a little bit. Just, just a little bit yeah you know what when we, uh, this is this is definitely something we're gonna touch on on our next episode so keep an eye out for that we'll dive deeper than ever okay we'll dive deeper than these USOs in that episode so yeah <laughs> I like that and uh, I think that about wraps it up for for what we have for tonight on USOs um and the legends of the deep lost continents and uh how ray brown ruined it for everyone so <laughs> oh man yeah. how dare you take that sphere guy really so um my thing is right like i said there's like so much we didn't cover um in the episode and i feel like this is definitely a topic we'll revisit in the future just because there's so much information um on usos that like we honestly barely scratched the surface so we'll definitely do a part two with even more stories you've probably never heard before um not soon obviously because we don't want to bombard you with usos and ufo stories right um, but any thoughts, guys? Like, like, what do you think? Like, after hearing everything, like, what was the thing that like stuck out to you guys the most out of everything that we discussed? I'm like, I'm literally still captivated by the whole um, thought of we mentioned Atlantis being powered by crystals, and then this guy who at first I I was like, this guy sounds awesome, Ray Brown, uh, with giant cojones. <laughs> Um, <laughs> on a serious Hoibos. note, though, like, uh, yeah, hoibos. Um, on a serious <laughs> note, though, like, thinking about just the mysticism of him diving, finding this, like, pure crystal pyramid structure underwater, describing the interior, and then, uh, and then I lost all respect for him when he lot like ruined it for everyone. But the the Atlantis. <laughs> crystal the crystal ball the sphere of Atlantis yeah, that, sphere. I'm captivated by that that is like some otherworldly shit that's like some old sailor's tale you would hear or something <laughs> in my opinion like that's so cool to yeah. me and I'm also very caught up on the disturbing facts of the uh, USO shooting up out of the water killing one uh, giving two others freaking blood cancer like that's just like almost fear inducing you know 
Yeah. <laughs> one of, one of my biggest dreams is to like. I guess it's like a really popular dream, but I want to buy a sailboat and sail around the world and live in the ocean, like. And so hearing that's like, yikes. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know, but I'm very captivated by the whole mysticism behind the Atlantis ring and sphere and bar and the fact that there are not only one but possibly two lost continents out there so I learned a lot tonight um, that I feel is going to stick with me forever because it's it's a lot of really cool information on the lost continents and for sure um, I'm still mad about them not getting the yellow phone uh, you know, to for from what we know, not getting samples of the that, phone, from so. what we know. You know yeah. <clears throat> now yeah. that you, you bring up the yellow phone, Brian, uh, I'm gonna go back to uh, Shag Harbor. Um, and the reason, so is like I said at the beginning of this, is I didn't really know much about the USOs, but this is I love that there's so much proof, not only from like civilians, but like the military, uh, police officers have seen it. It's documented. Like I, I love the fact that. You can't deny it, you know. Yeah, it's Shack not. Harbor, his, yeah, it, yeah, it's not he say or she say. You know, there's legitimate, tangible proof that this Official. shit actually went down. Yeah. yeah, Official proof. Yeah, and that and, that, and, and that's it. Yeah, sorry. Leave the yellow foam in the water. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you know I that I guess um, I can agree with everything that you guys said um, because you know, for example, Shack Harbor. I really like the story only because it's like one of the few very few official stories that we know they investigated and they were like yep that was not from here that was not one of ours we don't know what the hell that is like i just love the idea of that and you know we're, we're seeing especially in 2020 we're getting a lot of um you know little subtle disclosures here and there from the navy um and from the military in general so i mean um just from them in general just saying that makes me want to look into it a little bit more and you know say that maybe this is real you know and i just um just to end this i want to quote something from the mighty 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 nikola tesla right so nikola tesla prophesized i guess or, or he said um that our idea of our existence is actually like really inadequate right and he said that even, you know, something like a crystal, for example, like, you know, Atlantis is a form of life, like something that is alive, right? So he said, we cannot even with positive assurance assert that some of them might not be present here in this world, in the very midst of us for their constitution and life manifestations may be such that we are unable to perceive them. So this kind of ties in with what we're going to cover next week. And if you're wondering what we're covering next week is frequencies. So what he said and the whole crystal thing and us not being able to perceive what we um, consider USOs and aliens and stuff like that. And even that, um, you know, pyramid that Ray Brown saw at the bottom of the, 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 the seabed, right? What a dick. All of that, all of that kind of ties in with the idea of you know, us not being able to properly perceive our life and everything around us. So we're just giving it this explanation right now because we don't know. We don't know. It might actually be like something even more 
intriguing than than what we're saying right now. So tune into the next episode and you'll see what I mean. I don't want to give any more spoilers other than frequencies. <laughs> um, so if you have any interesting stories that you want to share with us, especially if it's concerning USOs or anything in general, any stories you want to share, things you want us to touch on, please feel free to send us an email. That's some weirdish at gmail.com. Go to the website, weirdish.tv. We have a contact form there. Um, you can, you know, stay anonymous if you want, whatever you want. You know, just send us an email, DM us on Instagram or Twitter at weirdishtv. Whatever you want. We are looking forward to it and we look forward to hearing from you. And with that, some weirdish. It's been some weirdish. Weirdish. Weird-ish. Weird-ish.